Welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Justin Cison. Justin has worked with clients such as Patron, Hendrix Gin, Esquire, and Maxim, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Justin about his experience working in the fashion industry prior to getting into photography, as well as his experience writing about wine. I also speak to Justin about moving to NYC to pursue photography, as well as his approach to photographing still life work. Justin is someone who is constantly working on personal projects and brings a really positive attitude to everything he does. So I was really pumped to get a chance to speak with him about his journey with photography. So I hope you enjoy and thanks so much for listening. All right. I now welcome on Justin Cison. Uh, excited to talk to you, man. I've been following you on Instagram for a little while now and got a lot of respect, man. You're always getting after it, always in the studio like you are right now, kind of grinding. Um, how you been doing, man? It's been a crazy past 12 months or so, uh, but how, how's work, life, man? How you hanging in there in New York City? It's good. It's good. Uh, it's definitely been a crazy, like it's definitely been a crazy 12 months. It's pretty insane to think that we're actually coming up of almost a year of, of these kind of, uh, like this lifestyle during, uh, COVID mm-hmm. and, uh, it, but it's been, it's been good. I, I, you know, I've definitely learned a lot during this time. Uh, New York is one of those places where people always figure it out. So I feel fortunate to like be here during this time, but yeah, definitely a, a learning process, a, a lot of learning that, that's happening right now. Yeah, man. It seems like you've been staying busy shooting. You're, you're always in the studio. And then I was looking on your Instagram. It seems like you've been spending a lot of time lately uh, kind of organizing your archive and going through some of your older photos. Um, how's it been kind of going through your archive? It's something I've been working on myself because it's like it just starts to like you get like I feel like I'm drowning. There's just so much stuff to go through. But how, how's it been kind of been going through your archive and organizing that? Yeah, so I've been spending a lot of time just going back through old work and and applying new methods that I've learned. And with the retouching, it's one of those things where you could always do more. You know, sometimes you, you don't want to do too much, but there's, you know, you can learn how to do things and being more efficient. And that's where I've been spending a lot of time is really learning how to properly catalog all of my work. So in a moment, second, like get to whatever sessions I need to get to and I've uh, been spending a lot of time just going back, looking at, and I think because we live right now in this digital time with like Instagram and social media, uh, we don't really have that much time to just spend with the work. And so I've really basically went through all of all the things that I've shot. And there's so many images that I passed up on that I didn't think that were that great at the time that I'm like seeing now. And it feels like for the first time. And, and so it, it's, it's exciting for me to just kind of see the work that I've produced over the last few years and having that time to really reflect and see about what I could have done better or uh, just make improvements and learn new techniques. I've been watching tons of YouTube videos. And so I feel like I'm trying to get more in, uh, efficient in my workflow. And there's just so, there's so much to learn it, it, you know, with photography, you can do this for a hundred years and learn something, you know, every day of, the, you know, every day of shooting. Yeah, definitely. I think it's like I, I kind of been doing the same thing because as a photographer, the more and more you shoot, you're shooting all the time. And I was looking back at stuff I shot like six years ago that I totally forgot I shot. And then I was just kind of interesting to yeah. see like how I kind of posed people and how I was lighting. And it was just like way different than I do it now. It was just kind of interesting to kind of 
go back and see how I approach things. And I feel like you can kind of learn a lot just kind of looking at your work and seeing where you want to take it next, you know? Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think for myself, when I do these dives, it, it really allows me to, to, to see the work as a whole, as opposed to like, you know, a lot of times when I'm doing client work, it's like, I'm trying to turn over, you know, the best set of images. Um, you know, maybe there's like, we want, you know, 10, 20, 30 images. And so I'm able to see the whole project. And as I've, you know, as my career is growing, I'm really trying to focus more on trying to take a, you know, a lot of images that tell a story. And I think this archival process for myself has really allowed me to go in there and see what I was really trying to capture. And I, and I think it's actually making me a better photographer at the same time. Yeah, definitely. And uh, in terms of the technical aspect, because this is something I've been spending a lot of time researching, is this, how are you like, what's your workflow in terms of like backing up your photos and like archiving everything? Because this is something I've, I, the last two, actually like the last month I've been like researching, like how other people do it, what technology I should use, how I should store stuff. Like what's your kind of workflow of just like st archiving all your work? Yeah. So that's something that I learned along the way too, during this process, I, I definitely didn't have a good system together. I'll tell you that much right now. Yeah. Um, but there, but I, my, so my mentor, he's the best organized, like he, he's crazy with organization skills. So I've learned a lot from him. I had a good foundation. Um, but what I've kind of started to do is just put a hard drive together, especially since storage is so cheap nowadays, yep. just putting together a hard drive for every year and then trying to have like a couple of drives that hold all of the work. Um, keeping them in separate places. I actually read a story earlier this year where there was a photographer who's, I don't remember his name, unfortunately, but uh, essentially he, he, in the West coast, he lost his home in a fire yeah. and he talked about all of the work that he lost. And that really made me think like, what would I do if that happened to me? And so um, I have a drive, you know, I have a drive that stays with me. And then I have another drive that holds all the work that I try to like update as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And I just have that, you know, stored somewhere else. Um, beyond that, like this, yeah, store cheap these days that like you can get a super fast terabyte, uh, of space and it costs like a hundred bucks or 150 bucks. And so I just, I the just drives found, that I work yeah. on are, yeah, I, oh, just I was going to say the drives that I work on are faster. No, definitely. I just found out this last week, if you have an Amazon prime account, you, they have unlimited storage for photos. And I, I checked it. You can upload raw files, JPEGs. So if you already yeah. have Amazon Prime, you can't do video. You have to pay extra for video. But if you have Prime, I'm starting to do that. I was using a couple other cloud-based platforms, but I'm throwing it up on Amazon too because it's like, why not? I'm already paying the 12 bucks a month or whatever. It's like free. It, exactly. Yeah. If you already are spending the money, you might as well just have it everywhere. I, I, you know, there are certain things that I have backed up more than others, like mm -hmm weddings like i don't shoot a lot of weddings yeah. at all but you know i think you, everyone should shoot uh, a wedding like once a year you know obviously not during these times but yeah. or you know if that's your thing you go for it but i think everyone as a photographer should uh shoot weddings and that teaches you a lot and especially with the storage thing i think that's where a lot of what i'm learning right now is like having these ideas like having something on the cloud having something on a drive having something on a drive that's not in the same location as me yeah. uh that's kind of like where those tech those techniques come from yeah, man, yeah your the cloud thing everyone's got amazon yeah and and like your archive starts the longer you do it it starts to become like income like 
so many times like a photo like some photo i shot like 10 years ago that i never even thought about it was just kind of like some whatever like business ceo portrait and then like someone reached out like last year and like hey do you saw this portrait of this lady and i was like oh yeah i still got that it was like 500 bucks yep. all i had to do is send them that jpeg it was like yep. e- easy yep. money you know um and that's the thing it's like it helps you you know be in a situation where something comes up and you can you can actually try to like monetize off it or or even like help build a relationship with the restaurant or I'm sorry with like a, an individual because I was gonna tell you about a story I have yeah uh, you know like I have a, a restaurant that I shot for in Arizona uh, through some really great friends and I just happened to be scrolling through their feed and I seen a calendar coming up for they have a four year anniversary coming up. And so because I've done all this archiving recently, I could go back and get images and like, you know, support them, but also like, you know, stay in touch and, and stay on their mind as well. So, um, you know, that's why those moments are really important to have like a, the proper backup system. Cause you just never know. Somebody might want to buy a print and especially like some of the work that I do, you know, mm-hmm. you, you might be able to use something even for a stock image where someone wants to come and just license an image and nothing's worse, especially during these times of like missing out on an opportunity. So if you have everything, you know, together and easily accessible you could be like yeah sure i can get you that image and then just you know get it over to them as opposed to being like yeah let me check on it and i'll come back to it and then maybe you don't find it yeah man as they say time is money got that photo quick time is money (laughs) uh but i guess new york will teach you to be efficient (laughs) yeah for sure i guess uh to go back man i was kind of curious like where you grew up and like how how did you kind of first discover photography i guess yeah so I mean, photography only really came to my life more recently. I think I've owned like cameras and doing, you know, I had some previous work that required me to take photos, yeah. but I, nothing like I would, I would consider a, like, you know, being photography. And so well, my background, I'm originally from Long Beach, California, and I lived in Arizona for many years and I moved to New York uh, almost three years ago. Um, when I was in Arizona, a good friend of mine, one of my best friends now, but he was a good friend of mine at the time at, uh, he was already a commercial photographer. And so I would go over to his studio and I would just have like beers and hang out. And at some point I would, uh, you know, ask him if he needed any help setting up or breaking down. And, you know, he'd be like, can you grab that thing? You know, can you grab that C stand over there? And I'd be like, what the hell's a C stand? <laughs> and so he really started teaching me a lot. Um, and that kind of really interests me. And from there it was just, you know, he kind of, seeing that I was getting into it a little bit and he was really uh, supportive of me trying something out. I had just transitioned out of doing some other work. So, you know, I was, I was working in fashion prior to that with my brother and we took some time off because he wanted to do some painting. And I kind of wanted to see about photography by then the iPhone was out. So I was kind of taking pictures, but you know, I just knew it was something that interests me. I didn't know what the hell I was going to do with it. But I was, I wanted to, you know, see more about it. And my buddy kind of gave me a, a, a Fuji X-Pro1, I think it was at the time, mm-hmm. and just handed it off to me. And I just went crazy with that thing. And I started taking pictures. And uh, that was kind of it for me. I, I went to do a photo walk with some friends. Um, and I remember just taking this photo. We went out in Arizona. It's never foggy, but one day in February, it was foggy. And I took a picture. It's not a great photo. But I just remember seeing the image on the back of, uh, of the camera. And I just said, man, this is what I want to do. This is, this is it for me, you know? And so <laughs> then from there, it was just a, a very expensive dive into this new, this new craft. But 
prior to that, I, you know, I, I took photos for things that I was doing and I had a little blog when I was in, you know, in my early twenties. And so I, I had the basics down, but uh, I definitely had no idea what it took to be a photographer or what photography really was. I was just taking pictures as opposed to like making pictures now. Yeah. Cause to go back, like you mentioned you and your brother were kind of doing fashion, like what kind were you guys kind of designing your own kind of line or what kind were you doing in the fashion realm? Yeah. So me and my brother, we had a company together and we did at first we did uh, men's apparel. And so we, my brother has always been like the, the fashionista of his family. Like before skinny jeans were a thing, like he would, like he would wear girls jeans cause he wanted that fit. And like where we were from, that wasn't really acceptable, but everybody knew that he was just going to do his own thing. And so uh, when we were living in, back in Arizona, he decided that he wanted to go to fashion school. He, you know, he did that. And then a couple of years later, we launched a menwear's uh, apparel company and we were doing a lot of cut and sew work. And uh, we ended up going, you know, that's when I did my first traveling out of the country with that work and really got to see um, you know, the demand that it, you know, takes when you're working and trying to pay bills off being creative. Yeah. Um, so my, see my brother do that and working with him, you know, he did a lot of the designing and we worked on all the logistics together. Like that really taught me a lot. And my first trip to France, I feel like changed my life. And I seen people from all walks of life, just doing whatever they wanted to do. And that, that, that excited me. So when I came back, I was, I was ready to kind of dive into my own creative pursuits per se. And so I started to try to do more things. And, and, and again, like these roads kind of led me to photography. No, that's really interesting. Yeah. Cause even on, on your website, on your bio page, you, you mentioned that you're kind of inspired by, I think it's called like everyday French living. Uh, what yeah. is it about France and like that first trip, what kind of sparked you about that city or, or country, I guess. Oh man. Like, so when I went to France, it just, it changed my, I think it changed my life in the space of thinking about just how I wanted to work. So I ended when all, everyone went to college, I went straight into started working. And so like, I had like a full-time job when I was 17, I had like a 401k when I was like 18. And I was like, definitely by the time I was like 24, 25, like I was like renting a house and like, you know, I had a landscaper, I had a you know front yard, backyard doing it. And uh, yeah, you know, I was just working, working, working. And then when I went to France, I just seen people like hanging out, eating, having coffee for two hours, like they were just relaxed and, and really enjoying life. And I think in here in the States, it's just like, you're just like money, 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 money. And at least that was the life that I was in because I worked in corporate America. Everyone's just trying to like level up. Yep. And when I went to France, I just seen people like having like very like leisurely lives and people were like walking by the river and like having wine and like, don't email me after 6 p.m. And I was like, yeah. So when I <laughs> when I got back to the States, I, I, I was like, I'm adopting that lifestyle. And so I, I think, you know, with my work, I really just try to put a lot of focus on just enjoying simple moments. Like I'm enjoying the conversation that we're having, like I enjoyed, you know, just the weather of, of New York today because it finally stopped snowing a little bit, you know, just like putting an appreciation on very simple things. And I, I you know, I think that's what my work is. It, it tries to embody, but that's definitely something that I take on, you know, every day. Yeah, I think you mentioned on your Instagram, I think you said you try to do it every day. Just try to, you know, you know, remind yourself stuff that you're grateful for every day. Just kind of a, yeah. like a, a daily kind of process you have. Yeah, you, you do your research, you do your research. That is, that is something that I practice like every day before I go to bed, 
Um, I go into this app I have called day one, which is kind of a journal entry. And I just make seven points of like things that I'm grateful for. It's like the weather or a walk, a cup of tea. Uh, maybe I seen a really great movie, just seven things to just be grateful for every day. And that, and that goes a long way. Uh, and it, it doesn't take a lot of time and that kind of keeps me centered, but yeah, I, I, I practice that every day. Yeah, definitely within this, like with the pandemic and stuff, I realized like so many things you just took for granted. Like I used to enjoy going to the movies or just, you know, hanging out yeah. with your, hanging out with a bunch of friends or like travel. Like hopefully when this thing's over, man, like the next trip everyone takes, it's just like, I'm going to appreciate it that much more, you know? For sure. I, I think this time is going to push people towards like the things that they should be doing and, and appreciate what you already have. And, I, you know, I, I know for us here in New York, like there's never a time where you're really having the opportunity to sit down and just think about anything. You're just like, you know, maybe you're on a train, but you're, there's like 60 bodies in this small cart. And so it's like, you're only, you're, I mean, you're thinking like, oh, I got to get to this thing or this next thing, but you don't have time to like think about the last week you spent or what you have going on for the following week. And so this time has definitely given us the opportunity to really say, hey, what I want to do more of, what I want to do less of, what I want to do none of, like, and, and, and have the moments to say, I don't know, and then just do this. Just sit there and ponder and wonder, and you go for a walk and you come back, maybe you still don't have an answer, but you have the time. You know, that's, the time is the only luxury in this life. And so this, this slot, which I hope is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, uh, that people take advantage of it and come out, you know, better than they were prior to going into it. I, I, I could definitely say that I feel that way, like truly. Yeah, definitely. I can tell this looking at the Instagram, man. It inspires me every day when you're just in the studio, you're setting up your tabletop Good, or working something. I'm like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta get after it. Just work on something. It's, uh, it's as good. Just kind of the habit is like getting after it and it's kind of building on your work, you know? Yep. Yeah. I mean, and the one thing I hear preached on the show so much from, I mean, it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're like a newer photographer such as myself or someone like who's art striver, like everyone's like personal work, personal work, personal work. And so, you know, uh, I think you should just, you know, you have the opportunity now to shoot, you know, whatever you want. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously like there's certain things that, you know, make it more difficult, but you could still get out there and practice it and, and you don't have to like appease anyone else's expectations, but your own. So it's, it's nice. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned like you were kind of working in corporate America before, did, even when you're working at those jobs, like, did you kind of always have the dreams of kind of like working for yourself and kind of being an entrepreneurial kind of spirit, I guess? Yeah, definitely. I, it, it, so when I was in Arizona, I worked for this massive, uh, it was like, it's this banking company and it's massive. Mm -hmm. And every day I used to drive to work and like for two, I think for two solid years, they had like, there would be these competitions that these corporate America places would have. And like, every time I drove into work, there was a banner above every, every time I drove in that said, uh, voted number one place to work in Arizona. And I would, and I would just be like, if I don't even really want to be here, like, should I be doing this? Yeah. And what else do I want to do? And the more of driving it, you know, into that place and seeing that banner above and not really being happy, uh, really made me question, you know, what I really wanted to do. And like seeing my brother do creative pursuits, I was just like, you know, he didn't have a schedule. He was doing whatever he wanted to do whenever he wanted to do. And I really thought that freedom was great. And, it just, it, yeah, you know, it, 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 it did teach me 
uh, accountability though, like yeah. to, you know, what it takes to show up and do things, even if you're not in the mood to do them. I, I learned a lot from working in a corporate setting, especially like team building, because you have a lot of different personalities and you have to learn to work within that. Um, but it, but I knew that like, I, I, you know, at this point in my life now, I believe that you should be exhausted from your passions and that's it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's way easier to like, plop on the couch and have a beer after like shooting some really cool work as opposed to just like suffering through a Monday, mm -hmm. you know? So I, I, you know, I think it is scary, you know, walking away from like benefits and like a check every two weeks, especially like living in the world we're living in right now. <laughs> it's, it's not for the faint of heart by any means, but you'll never be mad at yourself for going out and just trying something. If you dream, if it's something that you're passionate about, because that's, what's going to get you through the hard times. Yeah, definitely. And I think I learned because I worked some corporate jobs too, like in between like doing freelance work where I do now. And I think you, you, what you, yeah, you, you mentioned is like accountability is like, even though we're freelance and you kind of make your own schedule to a degree, you still like, I view it as like, I need to show up at work at this time. If I get to the studio later than I wanted, I, I'm really like pissed off at myself. So it's kind of, I make like, Every night before I go to bed, I have like on my phone just a notes app and I just make a list of like stuff I need to accomplish tomorrow. Yep. And it's like, cause you still, you're running a business. You got to treat it like a business and like show up at this time and like just kind of get after it. And that's, that's kind of my mind frame. That's how I kind of approach it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, being professional matters a lot too. Like when you go and you meet somebody for the first time and like, especially with like potential clients, especially if it's like, if it's someone that you've like worked really hard to even just get in the room to have a conversation to talk about your work. Like you don't want to come in there like super late and like, you know, not, you know, being enthusiastic about the work or just, you know, they're asking you, well, why, you know, why do you want to, you know, take on this project? And you're just like, I don't know. I need to pay rent. Like, you, I mean, <laughs> you know, you, you can't, you know, you learn a lot of some of that corporate lingo that helps. And it just lets you know, it lets them know that you're, that you can be trusted as well, you know? So it, you know, it works both ways. And by it being able to exhibit that, it just, brings you more work and when you do get in situations that might be a little bit more difficult you have a better range and toolkit to like work within the, the means of whatever's happening it, it definitely will make you a a, a a person that can go ahead and be proactive versus reactive you, you have that process and I and and like to say you know beyond that I feel like everyone at some point like if I had anything to do with education like everyone after high school would have to go work in a restaurant for like, you know, maybe like three to six months after you get out of high school, because yeah. that type of work too will definitely teach you to deal with people. And I think it'll make you, it'll humble you for yeah. sure. I worked, um, I worked at definitely. Longhorn, I worked at Longhorn Steakhouse, man. After, after, oh, you know, after high school, I worked, I worked front of the house and then I was working the fry station for a while doing, I did desserts and then I did like all the fried stuff and the whatever, man. Yeah, it is a, yeah. that anybody, hats off to anybody doing that work, especially now, man. You definitely learn. Yeah, a lot. if you worked in a steakhouse, you definitely <laughs> dealt with some characters. So I bet. Oh, yeah, man. Um, but I guess like, to the point, like you decided you wanted to take photography, like that's where you wanted to pursue your career and kind of do that thing. Like, did you kind of have a goal in mind for the type of work you wanted to do? Like, what kind of work were you kind of shooting like early on when you kind of started to focus on photography? When I first started shooting, I was really just shooting everything that was around me. And then I just kind of was like, just whatever I was drawn to take photos of, I just did. And like, that's how it works right now, still. 
Um, you know, it's when people ask me like, what do I shoot and trying to like talk about it? It's, it's very difficult. But when I first started, you know, it was just like taking photos of my friends. Um, I had a little bit of background. So when I was in my earlier parts of my twenties, I was really into wine. That was like, that was the big thing for me. And so when I was at a dinner with a friend, she was getting some food and she was like, well, what wine should I get? My friend Tiana. And I like gave her, I recommended it a wine and she loved it with her, with her dinner. And she was like, Justin, you need to like create a website. And I was like, yeah, I mean, this was the, like, it was like, it felt like the wild, wild west on the internet time. This is, I don't even know. This is like over 10 years ago. Okay. And where you actually like, there wasn't like any, you know, where you could just, you know, plop a, an image down and the website did the rest. You had to like build it out. Yep. Um, and so I built a website where essentially I wanted to make a wine website that I could review wine, take away all of the jargon away and um, make it, you know, make it where it's accessible for everyone. And my goal was just to review wine that was under a $25 price point. So by doing the website, like I was taking pictures of the bottles of wine. And so this is when I was saying I was taking a photo versus making a photo. Um, And I was just taking, you know, taking product photos, uh, uh, you know, of the, of the bottles and, and then I write about them. And so that was kind of the first thing that I was photographing when I, when my friend who was the uh, photographer with the studio, when I, when he, when I really started like working with him and working in the studio, then I was like trying to take portraits of people. But then I realized that like, I only really wanted to take photos of like, it would be like a particular individual that I would want to take photos of. Like, I'm not really in to like shooting personalities. I'm really into shooting people. But like, I think if I had access to like shoot someone like celebrities who are really good to getting to that point, yep. I could do it. But I really enjoy just people. And so like, if I take your portrait, you know, I want your grandkids to like, see the photo and be like, that was like grandma or granddad. Like, I'm not really interested in being like, this is at sign such and such. Like, I, I, that's just not for me. And there's photographers out there that do incredible jobs at doing that work. But you know, for me, it was more or less when I started, I just was like, Oh, like, these are my friends. It is a people I'm around. I want to take photos of them. And, you know, I had my iPhone. And so I'm like taking photos of my coffee and my food. And uh, I was really, you know, I'm still really into design as well. So like, I, I, I was, I've always been into mid-century furniture. So I was like taking photos of that. And so uh, a lot of it was just things that were just around. I, I did go out and try to take some landscape photos. I, I, that's not my jam. That was the one thing where I was like, this ain't it for me, but there's people that do great work. I, I just, yeah, I, even now, like I wouldn't know what to do. I, I could, I'll like, go there and enjoy every moment of it, but I'll get like the photo that like your uncle would take and you'd be like, cool. Yeah, man. No, I, yeah, I think, yeah, it's important. I think it took me a while to learn that this kind of follow the things you're interested in, man. It's, uh, I know I say it all the time on here and I try to, I still have to remember myself sometimes because I'm like, you know, on one, on one side of your brain, you're like, I need to make money. And then the other side, yeah. you're like, I just want to make cool art. So like, which one do I follow? And which one's the right answer? And then it's like, I, I just try to remind myself, yeah, this, sure, you're, you're interested. And that's kind of how I've been going about it lately, you know? Yeah, I mean, the experience of like, just going out there and working through something because photography is difficult by design. And so like, you are going to have to solve some issues in the process so it you should start with something that you're really passionate about because you'll come back to it like i'm not like a landscape guy so i go out there and i take a photo i i don't really have i don't really have the energy to try to like come back and like i see some of these guys who like hike 
and like it's cold outside and they're like setting up a tr- like two tripods i'm like no absolutely not <laughs> so i think if you start from a place that you like you're really interested about the work like there's only gonna be good that comes from that how, how long did you run the the wine blog for I ran it, I ran the wine blog for roughly like maybe two years. And then I actually started guest writing for a couple of other websites. And like, it was just, it it was one of those things where it kind of like, again, I just was something that I was into. I started doing it. Some other people asked me if I could do it for them. And then, yeah, I was just talking more about it. And I would sit with some friends and and just try to make it where everyone could take advantage. Cause at the time, like I said, this was like over 10 years ago yep. and how I was dressing over 10 years ago was like every other person that lived in my neighborhood. My t-shirt was super long. My, <laughs> my pants were super baggy. Like, you know, I grew up listening to hip hop and I grew up skateboarding. So it's like all of the clothes are massive and I would go to these wine tastings and you know, a lot of times I'm the only person of color and I, you know, I'm not really like, I'm not wearing, I'm not wearing a turtleneck, like how I'm wearing a, a turtleneck today, Alex, uh, <laughs> I would be showing up dressing like how I would normally dress and people, you know, would kind of, you know, look to me and be like, I'm not really sure what's going on with this guy. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I just was like, well, you know, this is for everybody, at least in, in my head, I, you know, I think I, I'm just, I don't really ask a lot of questions. I just work from a space of, you know, a feeling. And I was mm-hmm. just like, I thought it was for everyone. I didn't even know there was this hierarchy but now that I'm aware of it, now I'm definitely going to take all of this knowledge, write about it and share it with my friends so they can, you know, you know, not feel bad about it. And like, I think one of the best days in my life was like being at Trader Joe's and seeing this guy just struggling to pick a wine. And I literally just, you know, we talked and I was like, hey, man, like, what are you trying to buy a wine for? Who is it for? And I was like, this one right here is the one. All right. And he was just so grateful. And like, so, so many people feel intimidated by it. And it can be, but the truth of the matter is with wine is the people who, the people that really know about wine are never in the room drinking where you're at. And, and if they are in there, they're getting paid like as a sommelier to teach you or, or make sure that you're having a good time. So you should always go somewhere and feel like you can ask whatever questions you want and not, and, and you don't have to think about the most expensive wine is the best wine, yep. um, but it's for everybody. And so my, my website I was, was about that. And then I started writing for other people. And the only reason I actually stopped doing that was because me and my brother started doing fashion together. And I, I did not have the, the energy yeah. to do all of the things. All that, yeah, but, yeah. No, it's interesting. Yeah. 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 I'm always, my dad loves wine. So I'm always, every year I, I always just get him a bottle of wine for like his birthday or Christmas. And I'm always just like, I'm always just confused. I'm like, all right, well, I better spend like at least like 40 bucks. So that one looks cool. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Just, if you like the label, like if you can connect the story with the label, like I think that's the best thing. Like if you're like, you know, if you if you had an experience with your with your dad. Yeah. And you see a label and you're like, you know what? Like that one time that we went on this trip, like this label reminded me of something we've seen or an experience we had. Like your dad's not going to care if that wine costs two dollars It's going to be like, that's a moment. Yeah, and yeah. that's that. That's what it's about. You know, like you know, anybody else, if you're like spending a bunch of money on wine, it's just so you could show boat when you have people at your house and you're probably showing off a million other things. But <laughs> I, I always say, you know, uh, the drink, what, whatever's in your cup is only relative to the company you spend it with. So if you have really great wine or really expensive wine with shitty people, like it doesn't matter if you have, you know, I've had some, some of the best drinks I've had have been in red solo cups with like my closest friends. Yeah, man. So, I mean, that, that's, that's the mentality that I follow. 
yeah, my memories of not, I don't really drink anymore, but growing up, my memory, it was like my friends, we drank Miller High Life. And back in the day, was oh, like, yeah. Miller High Life's the best. But now it's like, if I drink that, it's like, this shit tastes like pennies, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a time and place for it all. Nah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, and I guess like, was moving to New York City, was that always a dream? Like, did you think you needed to move to New York City to kind of pursue your photography or what kind of led you to, to NYC? Funny story. So actually, I hated New York before I moved here. Absolutely. <laughs> I came here one time and I said, this ain't for me. I'm from the West Coast. Like, I, I'm not enjoying this. But my brother had moved here. And, uh, you know, I just I had just turned 30 at the time. And so I was like, me and my brother haven't lived in the same zip code uh, you know, for a really long time. And so I just felt like as we were getting older, like that was important. And so, yeah, I moved here and, you know, to, to, to when I thought about moving here, it was like, obviously to be closer to my brother, that was like number one, but I had also was like, I want to be a photographer. And I knew that I had to go to a place that was just going to be as challenging as it possibly could be for me to see if I really wanted to do this. It was like, I'm just going to, give it you know this chance because I didn't go to photography school um this so New York is my photography school um New York is my commercial photography school uh to say and so when I got here I was just like you know I want to be close to my brother I was like I'm showing up with my camera and like a bag of clothes and like we're just gonna like see what happens and uh that was kind of the drive but I I actually hated New York prior to living here but I didn't spend any time in Brooklyn I live in Brooklyn now and I absolutely love it it's incredible and uh but when I came, you know, before moving here and I'd only come one time for a weekend. So I didn't even get a chance to really yeah. experience it. But my brother was here. I was in Arizona and was coming up. And I was like, I, I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with Arizona, like the summer there, it's so hot. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I need a break from that. And I was like, I'll go to New York. My brother's there. Like, I'll, maybe I'll spend six months there. We'll see. And uh, so when I got here, um, my my, my brother actually ended up moving like four months into me living here. Like he was like, I'm going to LA. He hates the cold. He's I'm out, but oh, I was shit. already here. So I was like, well, you know, Figured and out. in that four month period of time, I was like, well, I've been on some great experience so far. You know, I'm like doing things that I would have dreamed of doing. So I was like, I'm going to stay and make it my own. But uh, yeah, it's in two years of living here. Like feels like you're just getting hazed. It's like, you know, calling it, you know, calling your family back, calling my family back on the West Coast and explaining to them about New York is like, <laughs> it, it just, you know, it, when you say it out loud, it sounds crazy. You're like talking about how much rent is and like, you know, how difficult it is to like do laundry or, mm-hmm. you know, just anything that you have to do that should be a simple kind of feature of life is like multiplied with difficulty times like to the 10th power being here in New York. Yeah. All that to say, though, there is a lot of upside to living here. And so um, I just was like, I'm going to make this my own. Like, I know that the work that I want to do is uh, it, it, it wouldn't really work in, in, in Arizona. And I, I'm from originally from Southern California. So that would have been too close of a like, yeah. too close to home and not a new uh, situation for me. So I just decided to just, I was like, this is my, this is my school. So I'm going to be here for four to six years and like treat it like my program, treat it like I'm going to school. And so yeah, when I come into the studio, I'm just spending hours in the classroom trying to 
just get the 10,000 10, hours in and master my craft. So that's where I'm at with it right now. Yeah. And like a lot of people, like I went the kind of traditional route. Like when I started, I kind of would like assist for other photographers and kind of did that for like probably like four or five years. Like, have you done any of that? Or you just been kind of focused on kind of building your own portfolio and getting clients or uh, how's the kind of journey been? Yeah. So I've definitely done some assist work. Uh, I usually do assist work outside of my, mm -hmm. like the work that I work in. I, I guess like commercially, I would be in the space of like food and beverage, predominantly beverage heavy. Yep. Um, so I, I, when I assist, like I assist like fashion photographers and uh, I feel like I learned more in that space. And um, the assist work is fun because you get to like go and you're meeting a lot of people and I feel like in those situations, like that, uh, to be honest, like assisting is really what got me into film. Mm -hmm. I, I have a, a guy here who is an incredible fashion photographer, incredible guy. And uh, he shoots on film. And, you know, I, sh you know, at the time he was, he, I followed his work for so long. What's his name? And we'll give him a like, plug. What's his name? Oh, oh, Clément Pascal. He's fire. He's from right. French, but he, uh, I'm sorry. He's from France, yeah. but he's, he, he's, so he's French. But he's like super New York too. Yeah. Like it, he's an incredible dude, and his work is just like something that like when I first started taking photos, I started following this guy, and I, I was in love with his work from the beginning. And when I came to New York, I seen him on Instagram say, "I'm looking for an assistant," and um, I was just I reached out to him. I was like, "Hey, you know, I'm 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 there if you need somebody," and he he was like, "Yeah, come down or whatever." And just watching him shoot, I was just so impressed. And the best thing about him is he is very lax. Like, it's funny because when I see him on set, he reminds me of like, even though he's like, like I said, he's, he's from France, he's French. Yeah. Well, like he, there's a lot of New York essence of this guy, but when he's on set, he's very, he's a very French person. He's very relaxed. He's calm. He's not like yelling at people or, uh, you know, working really, I mean, he works big campaigns. Um, you know, and so he, he, he taught me a lot about just like managing and like when things go left, you know, you just like work through the problem. I've never seen this guy, you know, I've, and I've assisted with him quite a bit. I've seen him get upset or, you know, frazzled or anything. And so, um, you know, working behind him has, has taught me a lot. So I think assisting is definitely important. Um, I've done some Digitech work out here too. Nice. Um, and that was mainly because I have a friend who I've known for years and, you know, he knows that, I, you know, I'm capable. And so uh, I, I've come and done some of that work. But yeah, I, I think it's important to just see how other people work. I think that definitely helps speed it up. Because like I said, I learned under somebody who was already a commercial photographer. So when I started coming to New York and doing my own thing and like, people would be like, oh yeah, I don't use Capture One. I just thought everyone was using Capture One because that's where I started. Yeah. I'm like, everyone's using Capture One. They'd be like, can you tether with Lightroom? And I'm like, what? Like, why? Like, why are you, I don't know. What's wrong with you, man? Why are you using Lightroom, man? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know anything about Lightroom. Like I started from <laughs> Capture One. So there's a lot of practices that I have that I learned just from, you know, my mentor already being a commercial photographer. And he, and on top of that, like he, now he runs, you know, his own, you know, he, he like runs his own business as far as like rental gear. And so he like digitex and then he assists and he's a photographer himself. 
And so like, this is the guy that I came up under. And so it wasn't until I came to New York and started working with other people mm -hmm. that I like learned that's, you know, like, oh, I thought everyone just shot tethered. Like, what do you, you're just going to shoot to this card. You just trust that. Yeah. And so it, it's been a, it's been a learning curve, but working with other people, there's things that I've seen and I'm like, that is what I should be doing. And there's other things I've seen. I'm like, I don't think I want to adopt that habit, yeah. but I respect it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you just meet a lot of people. That's the one thing, like a lot of the, yeah. some of the first commercial clients I got and everyone's past is completely different. So you can do whatever, but like I, I, from my experience, this thing I learned, I met so many people, like some of my first like advertising clients were from like people I assisted. And then I met the people from the agency and ended up working them for like years later. So that's kind of cool, but everyone's past is different. Um, but how, yeah, definitely. I how, mean, yeah. And, uh, how, how did you kind of start finding some of your first clients in New York city? And like, how are you kind of getting your work out there? Cause I think a lot of people listening, they, they want to find commercial clients or editorial and they kind of feel lost sometimes, but how, how do you kind of yeah. start working with clients? So, I mean, I think uh, first things first, like I think being a commercial photographer is like almost like on the same, like on the same track as like trying to be a like a magician and make, a living off of it yeah like you see the magic you don't really know how it got there but you know that it's possible but nobody's telling you how to do the tricks <laughs> yep that's what commercial photography is pretty much and so number one like shoot what you want to shoot because you like there's no like straight path on this like you'll shoot something that you care about and you'll put it up on your social media and like there'll be a client they'll come out of nowhere and be like i really love this thing that you did over here can we do something together? Mm -hmm. And then that's when you hopefully have the back end kind of dialed in as far as like, you know, how to approach these things. Like most importantly, like asking about budget and like having that understanding. Yep. Um, but I think the best thing to do is just like, you know, shoot the things that you want to shoot. And then like, don't be scared to like ask, like reach out to somebody and ask them like what they think or tell them that you want to do something. Cause sometimes people say no, sometimes people don't respond at all. And sometimes people say yes. Oh yeah. And like, I remember when I first moved here, I had like, I had 10, I had, I had 10 people that I wanted to work with, like 10 clients that I wanted to work with. And I emailed all of them. Nine of them didn't respond. My number one did respond wow. and I did work with them and built, you know, built some work with them. And, um, it, it ended up being a great relationship and it helped me get a lot of other jobs. And then from there, like the, you know, the, the, the three and the four and the fifth client on that of my, my dream list at the time for, you know, the year, like then they were hitting me up to do stuff. So, wow. you know, I think that like, you just, you know, I think with photography, I think the most important thing really is to just not be scared of no, you just got to keep going and people will tell you no client will tell you no, the art director will tell you no, but you just got to like keep going and keep, keep shooting. And, it'll all come together. But I, yeah, I mean, if you want to work with someone, I don't think that you have to build the work that like, try to like get to them. Mm -hmm. But I think that just shooting things that you care about, if it makes sense, it'll, it'll always come around. And, you know, I, I I'll tell a story real quick about, you know, something that like the, my most recent collaboration that I did uh, was with an incredible design company called menu space. And I was shooting a, something in my studio, uh, basically just had to kind of like caption up the, the, the final or the, you know, just finalizing 2020. And so I shot this, these flowers that were like dead 
you know, and I was out from my house, but I was like, I'm gonna bring him to the studio, shoot him real quick. Cause I just felt like it was a good, you know, kind of way to close out 2020. Like, you know, and I wanted to talk about it a little bit. And essentially I took these photos, put it on social media. Cause I, you know, I just wanted to put something out there and I had this company, you know, they reached out to me and they're like, Hey, you know, we're actually in the process of doing some work and like, we love this. Like, can, can we do something? And I'm like, yes. Like, wow, absolutely. they just, like, they just I, found you from your Instagram. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, they, they, you know, we reached out and, you know, we started talking about a project and yeah, I got to shoot, uh, you know, some work for them and, and, and we have a few other projects coming up now. And this was, I mean, this was really just me again, shooting something that I felt like shooting, put it on my social. I didn't expect anything to come out of it. I really just wanted to like talk about the year 2020 and yeah, it was the first kind of collaboration that I had for 2021. So um, that's been my experience. Just, you know, shoot what, what you feel inclined to shoot. Yeah, I feel like you start to build momentum after a while. The more you shoot and you just keep putting it out there and you'll get some referrals and you start meeting more people. Um, but it's just like never, never uh, taking your foot off the gas. And uh, yeah, it's just like, yeah, you get used to saying no. Like I, there's this one client. I have been reaching out to them for, I think, like seven or eight years. I've yeah. not worked with them yet, but I'm never quitting. Like, I'm, I'm going to keep reaching out to them until I die, man. And that's not even a joke. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I, I'm just like, never stop, you know? The, the best thing, though, now is like when you do get that job, just think about how, how much of a better photographer you are now. Because yeah. there's, de- like, there's nothing worse in the world than getting something that you dreamed and wished and hoped for and not being ready for it. Yeah. That's my biggest fear. My biggest fear isn't to like, not get this opportunity or like not get the dream client like my 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 nightmare is to like get accepted to do this job and not be ready for it so if you hear five years 10 years 15 years of no and like on year 16 they're like yeah like just imagine the space that you'll be in to do the job yep no definitely it's about retention you don't want to just do one job you want to you know have an ongoing relationship and that's only going to come from the time that you're putting in behind the camera yeah, definitely, man. And uh, I was curious to ask you, because you do do a lot of like uh, still life work, you, like you do a lot of beverage stuff and uh, you've been doing some cool stuff like shooting flowers and you also shoot portraits. Um, but what is it about like like still life photography you enjoy and like what's what's kind of your approach to that type of work? Yeah, I, I love still life work. I mean, I'm always amazed by some of these like paintings that just it, you know, a lot of times it's just, it's really great or interesting light. And then like, you know, it could be flowers and some fruit and like these, this is what was happening, you know, really like Dutch painting is like my favorite thing in the world. Like I'm, I'm very interested in, so with still life, I think it's a great thing for like, as far as like what I'm visually attracted to, like Mm -hmm. that's it. But also too, like, I like just coming into the studio and setting up a set and just like tinkering with things. You know, I put on some jazz music and like my camera's on a tripod. I started moving things around and like, is I, I enjoy working by myself. And that's, an, you know, during this time, I'm like, that's what everyone's doing right now. I know so, that's the one thing I'm envious because yeah. I don't shoot a lot of still life really, but that is the cool thing about it is you don't have to rely on anybody who's like portraiture. You, you're, you rely on your subject. So if you don't have a subject to yeah. shoot, you're kind of stuck. But with still life, you can really, there's no excuse not to make something because you can just pull whatever you got in your house and there's definitely something creative to make. 
Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think for me, like there's a few things like, again, like my eyes attracted to that, but like, I like not having to rely on other people. Mm -hmm. And then also too, like what I've realized with portrait work and why I sometimes have a hard time doing it is like now because of Instagram, like people have their own kind of ideas about what they look like. And so like, yeah, people they're like, yeah, I hate getting my photos taken, but I'm here to do this thing. And it's just like, I get it. But like what energy that energy is going to do what for us today. And so like, I remember there's been a, there's been like three shoots in my life that have been defining moments for me knowing that like portraiture will always be, I have a relationship with the person. So I want to take their photo. And you know, the first thing that, you know, when I was first shooting in Arizona, I had someone who I was taking portraits of, like I had this idea and I was like trying to be like super artsy. The individual that showed up to, that I was supposed to shoot with showed up late. They were like 45 minutes late. They showed up with like hickeys on their neck. They were definitely like had a, like a full bender the night before. (laughs) And like, I showed up into my studio at seven o'clock in the morning, like camera on a tripod, seven, 10. So things like that just frustrated me. I was like, this is, this is not what I want. And then, you know, I've been in situations too, where people, like I said, the whole personality thing because of social media, it's like, I want to take a photo of you. So your family and people who really know you can identify. I don't want to like take photos of you. So a hundred thousand people on Instagram can identify with that. And uh, you, so when it comes to portrait work, yeah, a lot of times, like I, I, I care more about environmental portraits. So now I feel like I've, the middle ground that I have is like, yeah, I want to shoot you doing something that you love. Like I, I, I did some work with some, some, you know, some very great women uh, here in New York that ha- they do pop-up dinners and they're really about um, creating a, a, an environment for people to feel comfortable in and, and come together. Like what, what food to me really is about is sitting down at the table and, and, and sharing love. And, and, and so the work that I did with them was some environmental portraits of them, like, you know, putting these dishes together and, and, and just, and just their wholeness. And that's more of the portrait work. That's how portraiture works into my kind of, uh, into my work now. But someone just being like, I need a headshot. I'm like, I, I really don't got nothing for you. Unless we're already <laughs> friends. Um, I, I would actually probably recommend someone else just because yeah. I'm, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I, I want to shoot people. I don't want to, I'm not really into personalities unless it's again, if you're per, if being your personality is your job, then so be it. I can find the middle ground, yep. but a lot of times it's just someone who has some Instagram following and they want to like, try to like shoot that out. And I, I'm just, cause I'm not the photographer. That's like, that's an epic shot. I, yeah. I don't, I don't, I've never said that in my session and there's photographers that can do it. I'm not the guy. I would say, the thing with uh, portraiture, because that's basically all I do, is when I look at like some of my favorite photographers and having to talk to so many people, like the real skill with like portrait photographers that are good at it, it's I feel like it's less about the technical or the lighting. It's really about their ability to like talk to people in like yeah. weird situations. Like someone like when I look, at, I don't know if you're familiar with Chris Buck's work, uh, no, great photographer. Familiar. He used to sh- he shoots a lot. He used to shoot a lot of editorial and celebrity stuff, more commercial now, but he would get like people to do the craziest shit like on set. Yeah. Like he had like Billy Bob Thornton taking a piss on the seamless. I've he seen would- that photo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm familiar with that photo. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, it's just real interesting. And like, I don't know. 
I don't know the point I'm really trying to make is this like, yeah, with I, a lot of times I, I've definitely, I enjoy the challenge of like going into a shoot where someone is being difficult. Cause I'm like, I'm like, fuck that. I'm going to flip you, man. I'm going to flip yeah. you. You come with a bad mood. I'm going to, I'm going to get something out of it. And that's, I kind of enjoy that challenge. Sometimes you, I mean, sometimes you lose, sometimes you win, but I think for me, that's like the fun thing about portraiture, you know? Yeah, I, I get it. I mean, like, I think for me, like, again, like I have the, I, I've worked in corporate America. Like I started in when I was 17. Yeah. So like, when I get to like, when I get to like make a buck, like doing like photo work, I'm fucking, yeah. I'm showing up hype every yeah. time. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, let's put on the music. Like I'm, I'm like ready, you know? Yeah, and especially man. like a lot of the work that I do, it's in spirit. So it's like, you know, like nobody has a bad attitude where we're going to start drinking at 10 a.m. And like, <laughs> we're just having a good time. So it's like when I'm doing other work where people are showing up and like, you know, they don't not really excited. It, for me, it's kind of, it's, it's more difficult, but that's why I say with, with people, it's like, if I have a relationship with you, you know, yeah. I've had, I've definitely had times where someone's like, ah, I don't really, I, you know, I don't really feel comfortable getting my photo taken. Mm -hmm. I just put the camera down and I just, we sit on the couch and we just yep. talk or like they're at my old studio when I lived in Arizona. Uh, there was a bar across the street. I'd be like, let's just go grab a beer real quick. Like, tell me what's like, what's happening. And then we'd come back and like get amazing photos. So you're not going to have that with certain, like, again, with personalities, like yeah. somebody's comes in, they got 15 Two minutes you gotta, like yeah. make it happen. And they're like, not happy to be there. Nah. Um, you yeah. Know? It's tough. And, yeah, and there's I, photographers that do it. They're doing a great job. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, and like, this is one thing I struggle with, like editing your work like especially for like your website or portfolio like how do you approach it being that you shoot like two different types of you shoot like a lot of, you shoot a lot of different interesting stuff you do obviously your beverage work and still life and then you have portrait and you do like some really cool series like this kind of street photography like shooting vespas like how do you kind of view like editing your work and putting it into like on your website and stuff how do you approach that process i guess yeah, so the website is definitely something that's definitely difficult to manage. I think for the most part, uh, you should have some people that you can bounce ideas off. Mm -hmm. um, I have, you know, like, again, my mentor, like, I'm so lucky because my mentor is, like, my best friend. Like, I was the best man at his wedding. Nice. And, like, I was also the person that married him and his wife. So, wow. like, I feel like I can call him up at 3 o'clock in the morning and ask him about Hell anything yeah. I want. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I know that not this is not a normal thing for everyone. Yeah. Um, but you have to have some people that, you know, that can judge your work you know, critically and like, you know, and, and this is another thing about working in corporate America that like I'm thankful for mm -hmm. is like being able to be critiqued and not take it personal. And yeah. one of the best pieces of advice that I got was uh, when I was like 19 and like, you know, my boss at the time was just like, Hey, like, you know, doing like one-on-one -on -one reviews, just being like, you know, I'm just going to talk about your work performance and none of this is personal, but it's about your work performance. And it was like some a job when I was really just trying to like make a buck and like, yeah. it was apparent and so being able to just like take constructive criticism and like not take it personal because it is tough when you're like out here and you know photography is you know 90 percent passion really and so when someone's like not happy you know with something like or like it's like again like i know people shit on like fucking wedding photographers but that job is so stressful i haven't done that many but it's stressful oh yeah and like there's people that like you know, that see the work and there's so many images that they're seeing of your work, like, which is different from commercial work. It's like five images, 10 images, 15 images. If they don't like two, like, so be it. But like, you're like shooting a wedding and like, they don't like 20 of your images. Like you might feel away. 
and so getting, you know, getting yourself out the way and like not taking it personal, like, you Definitely. know, and a lot of times too with commercial work, it's like, you're going to have a review and they're going to ask you to do things and you gotta, you know, you just gotta know that that's for the work, you know? Um, and, and, and it, and I think that's, that could be challenging for people. Yeah, definitely. It's like, uh, I, I did one of these, I've done a couple of these things. Like they have like online portfolio reviews where you meet with like editors and stuff. And, uh, it's actually been pretty helpful. I was kind of like, at first I was like, eh, I don't know, like you're paying money to like show your work, but I've gotten some jobs out of it, but it definitely, it was interesting to get a perspective on someone like looking at my website and stuff. And not that I agreed with everybody, but there definitely was a few people that like a light bulb went off. I was like, damn, I didn't really like think about my work that way. Cause I was just yeah. so consumed of like how I just look at my work every day, but it was, it was refreshing to get someone else's perspective, you know? Yeah. The best thing I did for 2020 was I allowed other people to see like the projects that I was working on and, um, and, and also to just like do some of those reviews. Like I, I, I got really lucky. Uh, there is a photographer, Peter Bowler, who's from Los Angeles. He's a commercial photographer. And I seen something from another photographer who I follow. Uh, her name is Carmen Chan. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about reviewing work. And there was like, you know, 10 photographers that were taking, you know, an hour out of their day to just review people who, such as myself, were like newer photographers that really could use that, yeah. um, you know, kind of feedback. And so I did a session with him and, you know, he, he had a lot of great things to say about my work as far as like, and I mean that in the space of like being helpful. Yeah. He wasn't there to be like, yeah, keep going. He was like, yeah, you could do more of this, you know, change this. And like things like he was like, you should go in there and change your, your, you know, your bio uh, photo. Yep. And I was like, I hadn't really thought about that, you know, and he, you know, he mentioned that and it was something that I, you know, really took on and, and listened to. And I think that, and it's like putting your work in front of other people. And, I, and when I say in front of other people, I don't mean like Instagram, because that's a place where you're not going to, it's hard enough with just the, the algorithm mm -hmm. for people to really even see your work, let alone to have like a critical thought about it, because also too, it's like on the phone. And um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think it's challenging that way. So I, I, I do think it's important to just share your work with people that you respect um, or, you know, someone who is doing something that you really want to do and just reach out to them and say, Hey, you know, just looking to, to, to further my work. You know, I'm, I really love, and I was wondering if we could even just have a, have a conversation. So yeah, I think that's helpful. Oh, 100%. That's like 99% of the jobs I get is from outreach. Like before I would always just go pre pre pandemic. I would try to show my book as much as I could in person. Like, yeah. Know, around here and it's just like making that personal connection because like uh i think i mean that's kind of it is there is like a sales aspect of photography like you have to be able to like present your work like we talked about earlier and have them trust you and if you're like not confident in talking about your work no one's going to feel confident in hiring you so if you have that skill and ability to talk to people it's like you're gonna be pretty successful in photography i think and I think if you're working through this time, you know, with the pandemic, you gotta, you gotta be even better with that because, you know, it's easy to like walk into, you know, a client review and like show up with your iPad, show up with your book and be like, this is what I do. Yeah. But like, how are you going to get that point across when you're like, you know, on a zoom, you know, or, you know, if you are just doing like a FaceTime or just only phone calls, you know, yep. like, how are you going to, you know, get that, that point across. And so, you know, I, I definitely think it's important to hear is, you know, hear from as many people who are 
doing things that you aspire to do as well as just people that you overall respect and like all of, there's so many people that are giving up time, whether it be uh, through a lot of the social media channels that are just like, Hey, I'm here. Like, I remember like getting my first, like real big request to do something mm-hmm. and being like, Oh, I need a producer. Like, I wish that happened during the time of last year when there was producers out here being like, if you want to do anything, just email me, I'll review your portfolio. And then like, we can touch base there. Yeah. You know, like, I didn't even know these people existed, you know, <laughs> yeah. but like now there's, there's so many channels where like, you're just, you're there and people are talking about it. Things that you might have to pay hundreds of dollars for a workshop mm-hmm. are just, people are just talking about it now because this is where we're at. Everyone is, yep. you know, at home and, and, figure it and out. there's a lot of people that are still really, yeah, really passionate about these things and they want to spread the knowledge and, and commercial photography, especially, like I said, that's why I really compare it to being like, you know, being a full-time magician and like making money from that, because there's a lot of things in this that you will never know. And that's why I love this podcast because there is so many things that you're going to hear about that. Like, I only know because my best friend is a commercial photographer, but if it wasn't him, I wouldn't know of these things. And, and it's like, every photographer's experience is different. I still like being 12 years in this. I, I feel like I have a good understanding of the business, but even like I called my friend yesterday, Cheyenne, who I've had on the podcast, Oscarnia, great photographer. And I was just picking his brain about like, like how do you invoice? What should I be billing for on this type of client? And I realized there was like a couple line items where I wasn't charging enough or how I should like word it. And it's still this like having that communication and talking to other people in the business. Cause like everyone, how they do it is different and their experiences is different. So I'm always, I'm always picking people's brains on that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think with photography, the best thing to do is simply be prepared, like going into the archive thing, like mm-hmm. this, like the same thing you want to be prepared. Like when it comes to doing jobs, like you just want to have your stuff together. Like one of the, like one of the jobs that I actually did in 2019 that I had um, a client for a, a, a longer period of time um, that I was like, kind of like almost in-house mm-hmm. was like, I, had a, like, I, I knew the person who founded this company and, uh, they posted something on Instagram stories about like being sick. And I was just like, Oh, I was like, when I'm sick, like I like take garlic and have some tea. And I was like, kind of just explain that real quick. Yeah. And the person was just like, Oh, thank you so much. By the way, I love your work. And can we do something? Yeah. This And this just came off of me just being like, you're sick. This is what I would do. Like, and it, I didn't really, I didn't think anything about it. Like, I'm just like a people person. Like, I love people. So I just was saying that in the space of just being like, feel better. And they were just like, yeah, we love your work. And how can we do something? And from there, I ended up being their in-house photographer for like six months and like wow. building them up a studio and like showing them, that, you know, kind of like how I work in the process. And they they're like we're still really great friends you know to this day and so it's just like you never know when the work's going to come but uh it's you know being prepared is 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 the most important thing and that's comes from just showing the work asking questions and not being scared to ask like you know not thinking like oh this is gonna be a stupid question because when it comes to commercial photography like you can type in whatever questions you want into google and Google has all the answers except for how to be a commercial photographer. Yeah, dude. There's, <laughs> yeah, there's, and there's a lot of shysters out there on YouTube. Like you, you can tell, like, you don't really know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> there's a lot of that. Well, you, 
you go into YouTube and you have to remember that this person is making money off of YouTube. So it's like, yeah, you know, they're also just there for, there's like a side of entertainment. And if you find someone that's going to give you some of that knowledge, yep. then you're lucky. But most parts, it's like, it's just the same kind of stuff. Like if anyone's paying attention, when a new camera comes out, all of these YouTubers talk about this camera. Yeah, and then yeah, a week yeah. later, they're <laughs> like, why you shouldn't buy this camera? And then two weeks later, they're like, buy this other camera. They're yeah. not there to help you yeah, make you guys, a sound decision about what you should do. Yeah, and it's not to be a hater. It's like, yeah, everything you got to take with a grain of salt because there is some good stuff out there. But, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, you got to read between the lines sometimes. But, uh, you know, you know, one project I was excited to talk to you about, I know we talked about it like a while back, and uh, you've been doing a project shooting Vespas around, I think, in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. Like, how did that come about, and what kind of interested you about shooting Vespas? Yeah, so I... It was one of those things where at the top of the pandemic um, and really into the summer here in New York, when we started having these, uh, you know, the, the more serious like lockdowns and curfews because of protest, basically going on a walk became a luxury. Yeah. And uh, it was like one of those things where I was just like walking around, you know, I'd go for a walk and, and I would just be like, man, there's a lot of Vespas in, you know, in, in the neighborhood. And so I was like, I keep seeing them everywhere. It's like one of those things like when you like buy a car and then you drive around, you're like, everyone has this car, but before I didn't notice it, you know? Yeah. And so when I started to really like, just pay attention, I was like, there's vessels everywhere. And uh, I was like, I'm going to start a new project where I'm going to shoot one camera, one lens. Cause I was also like wanting to shoot more film. Um, Cause I, again, I have the time to just shoot whatever I'm drawn to. So I was like, I'm going to shoot a project that's like one camera, uh, you know, one film stock, one lens. And uh, I just started going out and just photographing Vespas like every day. And uh, it kind of, to me, the Vespa reminded me again, I, I love France. Like I love Paris. Everybody who knows me is probably sick of hearing me talk about how great France is <laughs> and how I can't wait to get back. And I plan on dying there. So it's, <laughs> I love that place. Yeah. And uh, you know, the first time I went to Paris, when, you know, with my brother for fashion week, when we were doing our company, I never seen people like riding on scooters like that in Arizona. Everyone had a car with like, you know, doors and, you know, Jeeps and all that stuff. And so seeing someone on a Vespa or uh, any, you know, scooter was kind of new to me. And so, uh, you know, the Vespa to me has always reminded me of my time that I spent in France because being in France for the first time changed my life. I, you know, I just kind of had that connection there. Um, and so I just started, you know, I just started photographing it and being like, I'm just on a hunt now. And like, to the point now my friends like well they'll see a vespa and they'll send me a photo uh but it just came from just being in a space of like we have this time yeah i was like really interested into this thing and then i just started obsessing about it and so it gave me a reason to during this time to like leave the house because yeah. honestly like at the top of the pandemic was scary you know you're reading all these stories and it's just like everyone's like checking the news every 15 minutes and like living in new york like we got hit really you know really hard at the top of it so I didn't like there, you know, at the start, like there'd be like three, four days where I just did not leave the house. Damn. And, um, you know, going out to take photos really forced me to go out and, and, and have a reason to, to walk about. And like, maybe when I'd be like, Oh, I want to like go home. I would, I would stay out for like 30 minutes or 45 minutes because I had something that I was trying to do. And then like, you know, when I started doing the research just on the Vespa itself, like I learned that that was like, you know, post, you know, the world war. And like, it was just, something that was built to try to like help the economy recover from the war and i kind of feel like we're living in some type of wartime story and 
so then the Vespa really became like something that was kind of like monolithic in my life was just being like, damn, like, you know, this was a symbol of like the, you know, the after, you know, where everyone's like post COVID or when COVID's over, yeah. it starts to feel old. And so the Vespa for me was just like, this was a solution based upon solving a problem based upon the, you know, the time that they were in and they wanted to build something that was affordable that allowed people to get around. Uh, and so for me, I'm just like, yeah, I think of the Vespa almost now almost as a symbol of freedom for, you know, where we're headed, hopefully, you know, sooner than later. Yeah. And it just became something that I, now I'm just addicted to. And I thought it was going to be a project. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to do it. Like I had this like thing where I was start shooting. I was like from day number one in the summer to the last day of summer, I'm going to shoot. And then I'm going to turn this into a project. And like, now I'm just obsessed and like, I'm, it's just on. Yeah. I love so projects until, like that, man. It's like the little things you overlook every day. Like there's like, there's a lot of different projects people have done over the years. Like there's one photographer I really enjoy. He's had a series going on for like decades now. And anytime he runs into somebody who has a black eye, he, he tries to take their picture. So he has like a series oh. of like black eyes or like, I know another photographer that did like uh, VW buses and stuff. And it's, it's interesting Incredible. when you have a, like a, it takes a new form when you have photos of like a bunch of like the same thing. Like I'm sure the longer you do it, once you have like hundreds and hundreds of Vespas, it's just going to be more and more interesting to see all the, how different each one is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it's one of those things, like if you just see it, you're just like, okay, but like now I've, I've probably shot like maybe like, I don't know, like 200 Vespas. Wow. And so like now I'm like really seeing the personalities. Like I'm like seeing some people like put stickers on theirs or like having different seat covers or like different windshields or like, you know, just these small elements that, you know, so maybe someone, you know, has a color that like I haven't ever seen. Or once you can um, travel again, once you can travel again, you can get Vespas in like other states or countries and stuff and just add to the whole flavor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think it'll be something that I'll continue to shoot it. There was a photographer, there, there is a photographer that I follow that I'm absolutely like obsessed with the work. Uh, and this uh, Noah Kalina, I don't know if you're familiar with his work at all. But he's the guy who I mean, he's most known for this project, but his work is like, beyond this but he had a project where he was doing a selfie every day for like 20 years oh like, yeah yeah he's like viral he's not even a photographer i don't is he a photographer like in real life he's, or... he's the commercial photographer yeah he yeah, you know but right. he's he's most known for this project i think it's probably you know i've like read a lot of his work yeah and um he he talks about it and i think it's i think it overshadows some of his work that like that's the perspective that i feel like he because he does so much more than that mm -hmm. but he's he he's got this thing where he shoots a lot of the same kind of subjects in different ways like he has a book called bed mounds and essentially when he would travel he would like shape up the the sheets in the bed where it almost looks like a statue or a sculpture and he would shoot it and it he the work's incredible and so he has a really great newsletter uh, probably my favorite newsletter, any photography related. And so he talks a lot about just different things and he's like kind of ran super interesting. All right, I'll check Seeing that out. Him, he, yeah, he's got some work where basically like he's, he lives, he used to live in Brooklyn and he moved upstate and he shoots um, some rivers by his house, but he shoots them in different seasons and everything. So you can see it in the winter and just the summer and all of the, all of the spaces that it's in. And I think his work really made me want to shoot the same subject in different kind of, uh, different kind of, different kind of spaces. And the Vespa project definitely spawns for me being his work. Like I was just a fan of seeing the things that he was doing. 
man, like, I, I don't think that I would have, like, I'm going to go out and shoot 200 Vespas <laughs> if I had not. So it really inspired me to, to do that. Yeah. And you've been shooting all the Vespas on film. Cause I know you mentioned that a couple of times that film photography is something you enjoy. Is that kind of how you've been approaching it with that work? Film photography is probably the best thing for th this time because you get, you like, it's, I'm just going out and shooting it and then getting, you know, everything complete when I feel like it's complete. Um, so I, I really enjoy that aspect, but uh, yeah, I've just been shooting all on film for this project. Again, same camera, same lens, same Which film camera? stock every time I go out and shoot. Uh, Contact G2 okay. um, with the, the 45 millimeter. F2. Those cameras are wild now, man. It's for me, because I grew up shooting film forever. It's wild to see some of these cameras, how expensive they sell for now. It's crazy, dude. Like the yeah, Contact will spend like two grand on like a point and shoot. It's wild. I mean, they're great cameras. Yeah. But it's been They're great cameras. <laughs> yeah. But they're like the prices for some of these things are right up there with like new, you know, like digital cameras that are coming out. And it's kind of hard to justify that. It's everything's just getting more expensive. And like, mm -hmm. that's just, yeah, it's, un, it's unfortunate. I got lucky. I bought mine earlier of last year. And so it wasn't really crazy expensive, but now everything's expensive. Like I was, I've been wanting to buy a Mamiya 7 too. Yeah, Again, they're I had, me I, too, dude. You and everybody else are so good. <laughs> <laughs> I had one before, but when I first started shooting that camera, I didn't know enough about film photography. So like I was in Arizona and there's like one lab, which will remain nameless that's out there, but they do a terrible job <laughs> and they're doing everyone a disservice because I thought I was a terrible film photographer. And so I sold the camera and gave up on it. Jeez. And then I started, I, sh I shot film every now and then, but then I started scanning my own work. And then I came to New York and then there was, there was, you know, uh, there's uh, film labs here that are really good. Oh yeah. And then I was like, oh, I'm not actually terrible. And it was the lab back home that was just not doing the work. And I could say that because like there'd be times where I would like drive 45 minutes to this lab to pick up my uh, pick up my work and they would just put it like on a little drive or whatever. And I would drive home and put it into my computer at home and there would be no images. And they're like, oh, sorry, you got to come back and we could put them on there. Like, oh, they didn't give you the next back? Nope. They, they would, you, they would, they would scan the work, but they forgot to put it on the disc. And I had this happen uh, several times. So yeah. it just made it where I was like, you know what, yeah. you know, I may, you know, and when they did scan it, it would be okay. But I just, again, I didn't know enough to really, I didn't understand how important having a good lab is. Oh yeah. So, so I sold the camera. I was just like, whatever. And then like, yeah, like I started shooting film and I was like, Oh, why did I sell the camera? Like, I, I wish I had it. And I talked to a buddy like two nights ago and I was like, how much do you want to sell it for? And he, I, I think, you know, he's selling uh, his Mabina seven with the 80 millimeter lens. That's not even the lens that I want, but he's like, yeah, it's like four grand. The yeah, body dude, alone is go, like 32. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's expensive. I still got, I got my Hasselblad and I'm never selling that thing. I've been shooting it lately. And it's been fun. I just bought like some Portra and some Tri-X yeah. and it's been kind of messing around with it. And uh, I don't know if have you messed around with this at all. Some I, I, I've been doing, instead of scanning your film, you can actually photograph it now. It, have you done this at all? And the quality is like amazing. I haven't done it yet, but I've seen it on YouTube. Oh, and it's I'm legit. Just like, I mean, if you have a macro lens and, you know, some time, like a coffee or a beer, you can make some amazing work that Dude, way. It's, it's quicker than scanning because once you have it set up on this little rig and light table, Literally, you just tether your camera to the computer, and you got the camera pointing down. And you go click, move, click, move. It's none of that like scanner, like buffering, buffering for like nine hours. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. 
scanning work is like, it's tedious. Like again, I had a, so I had a scanner and I ended up selling it because I was like, this is taking too much time. Like, I, I think if I still had it, I would do it during this period of time, yeah. but you're right. Like you could shoot it on a DSLR and like all of these cameras. Now the technology for these cameras are insane. This is the most exciting time ever to like, oh. to just be able to jump in. You spend a little bit of money and having something that can do everything. Yeah, no, it's exciting for sure. Um, I guess to wrap up, man, like uh, what's next for you, man? Anything kind of goals for the year, any projects you're hoping to work on or what's kind of on the horizon for you? Yeah. So, uh, this year, I mean, I just feel thankful to just be able to wake up every day and make images that I want to make. And like, I've been super fortunate to have clients that like love the work that I already create. And that's awesome. And I, you know, I just want to continue shooting Vespas and learning more about film. I just got, uh, I had a Pentax before, but I got a new one now and I got, I I bought a few other lenses. So I'm shooting a lot of six, seven. And I think my goal by the end of this year is really, I want to get into large format work. Uh, you know, I, I, I started learning more about tilting and shifting and things like that. And I think that's a game changer for the type of work that I hope to create. And so I would like, I would hope that to, to, to do more prints by the end of the year. Um, I've, I've been dabbling with that a little bit and that, that itself is like, uh, you know, it's a technique of its own, but I've been trying to learn more about printing and just shooting more film and just spending, like I said, spending more time in the studio, putting my 10,000 hours in to master my craft. Yeah. Well, Justin, man, it was a pleasure talking to you. Can't thank you enough for taking the time and for people listening, if they want to check out your work, where's the best place for them to go? You could just go to my website or my Instagram. My, my website is just uh, justincson.com and, and my Instagram is just justin underscore Cson, and you could find me there. And again, Alex, it's a, it's a privilege and I'm honored to be here and, and chat with you today. This podcast has given me so much insight and there's so many legends on this podcast that I, I just feel you know super grateful to, to be here and, and speak with you today. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. And uh, once this uh, COVID thing ends, man, I'll definitely hit you up when I come to New York, man. We'll, uh, we'll link up. Come to New York. I'll get you a slice. All right. right, Later, man. Take care. Take care, Justin. (laughs) Bye. All right. Later. So there you have it. That was the Justin Seesaw interview. I just want to thank Justin so much for uh, taking the time to come on the podcast. Uh, It was a real pleasure talking to him. Uh, Like I said, I've been kind of following along on Instagram with his work for a while and really appreciate his approach to still life work. And uh, he's always just working on personal projects and getting after it. So a real pleasure talking to him. Uh, definitely go follow him on Instagram at Justin underscore Cson, as well as check out his website at justincson.com. I'll put all the links in the description. You can go check it out. Um, and as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as the Photo Banter YouTube page. Um, so definitely go check us out on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. It'd be much appreciated. And as always, thanks so much for listening and take care.